This episode of Juice Guru Radio is brought to you by TriBest, making healthy living easy. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Juice Guru Radio. Discover what the magic and power of juicing can do for you. And now, your host, best-selling author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Juice Fasting, Steve Prusak. Hello and welcome to another edition of Juice Guru Radio. I'm your host, Steve Tate. We've got Victoria Moran and J.L. Fields, authors of the new book, The Main Street Vegan Academy Cookbook. We're going to hear all about that, the amazing work they're up to. So grab a juice, some water, tea. We're going to get plant cooking. So come back right after this with our special guests, Victoria Moran and J.L. Fields. Here's another Juice Guru approved product. Hey there, Juice Guru tribe. Here at Juice Guru, we've tried a lot of juicers. Pretty much just about every juicer on the market, in fact. But the one we've chosen as our absolute favorite for the last three years in a row has been the TriBest Slow Star. Order your own at the Juice Guru Tribe discount by visiting our website at juiceguru.com. TriBest Slow Star makes healthy living easy. Get one today. Juice Guru Radio. Well, hello. Welcome back to Juice Crew Radio. I'm Steve, and we've got Victoria and JL with us. Victoria Moran is the author of 12 books. I said that right. Including the latest, The Main Street Vegan Academy Cookbook, uh, The Love Power Diet, The Good Karma Diet, uh, international bestseller, Creating a Charm Life. She was on Oprah twice. Uh, vegan three decades now. She's an obesity survivor, and she can tell us a little more about that. And winner of PETA's Sexiest Vegan Over 50, as she's a producer of the upcoming documentary, The Compassion Project. And you can find out more about Victoria at MainStreetVegan.net. We'll have links at JuiceGuruRadio.com for that, too, so don't worry about that. And J.L. Fields, our new friend, she's a newspaper writer, magazine columnist, speaker, culinary instructor, lifestyle coach, activist, and radio personality, and author of this book that we're talking about today, uh, The Main Street Vegan Academy Cookbook, along with Victoria and her others, uh, Vegan Pressure Cooking, Delicious Beans, Grains, and One-Pot Meals in Minutes, and co-author of Vegan for Her, The Woman's Guide to Being Healthy and Fit on Plant-Based Diets. Her website is over at jlgoesvegan.com. Let's welcome to the show right now, Victoria and JL. Hi, thank you. You know, well, the two of you just are, you know, Victoria, whenever I announce you, it's like you're, you're not doing enough. And now you've got to like really make my work hard. Well, we're all busy because I think we're all so excited about what's happening. I mean, you and I certainly remember, Steve, when this was just the weirdest thing and nobody even bothered us about it because it was just too odd. They didn't even want to ask too many questions. And now we're not quite taken over, but we're getting there. What is it? That, has there been a shift, Victoria? A tremendous shift. I think the last statistic that I saw said that something like 1% of baby boomers were vegan, 2% of Gen Xers, and 12% of millennials. So it's going in the right direction. Well, we've got Dr. Joel Furman on our advisory board and really helping to get the message out about eating nutrient-rich plant foods, how important that is. And we're going to learn about how we can all start doing that. So, JL, what led to creating this book? I know you're part of the Main Street uh, Academy and everything like that, Main Street Vegan Academy, but what led to this book in collaboration with all the people that are in that program? We have over 100 people certified now, right? Yeah, well, what led to this book was the brilliant Victoria Moran, who wrote the book Main Street Vegan, which was one of the first books that when I got my hands on that and heard Victoria talking on, she was actually on the Our Hen House podcast and she was talking about her book. I was a, I, 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 a kind of a baby vegan. I'd been vegan for a year 
And um, I was out on a run and I heard Victoria talking about her book. And then right at the end of her interview, she said, oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot to tell you that I'm starting an academy. It's called the Main Street Vegan Academy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to be in that academy. So I ran in sweaty, ran into my desk, applied. She accepted me. And a few months later, I was uh, in Harlem going through the Main Street Vegan Academy. And at that point, I was working on my first book, Vegan for Her, with Jenny Messina. And Victoria told me then, she said, you know, I've got this vision. I think that at some point, the next logical step for this book and this academy is going to be a cookbook. And she did not let that go. And we talked about it for years and now it exists. And because over those years, she trained over and over again, all of these amazing vegan lifestyle coaches who've gone through the academy. And suddenly we realized we had all the content we needed. We had all of these people who are going back into their main street, whether it's in Iowa or Kansas or Puerto Rico, and they were creating food for people to get them to go plant-based and vegan. And they were our content creators. And that is how a true collaboration started. Well, Victoria, I mean, it go, you go way back, right? Because you were on Oprah. You've always <laughs> been really teaching about taking our lives to the next level. Can you share a little, for those new to your work, uh, share your story of how you got involved in all this? Yeah. Well, when I was five years old, uh, my grandmother used the word vegetarian around me. And that really stuck. I knew that was something that, that resonated. But I was growing up in Kansas City, Missouri, where at that time we had the nation's second biggest stockyards. And that was something to be proud of. So the idea that I would ever do that didn't seem realistic. But as a teenager, I got interested in yoga. And that was when yoga was pretty small. There were three books about it in the Kansas City, Missouri public library. I read all of them. And they said that you have to be vegetarian if you want to be serious about yoga. So I managed to do that just after high school because I was going to school in London, where it was easier <laughs> than in Kansas City. And I didn't hear about veganism. I didn't really hear about super healthy kind of eating or any of that for about another four years. And then uh, Jay Dinshaw and Freya Dinshaw from the American Vegan Society showed themselves to me. And I knew that on so many levels, this was what I needed to do. I was dealing with a binge eating disorder. So it took me years. I mean, I just slipped and slid and I'd be vegan for a while and I'd do well for a while and I'd fall off the wagon. But Jay and Freya never gave up on me. And I think it's so important for any of us who are working with people or talking to people that we just have to believe in them. And if we can believe eventually maybe they'll believe and then they'll be able to do it. And that's what happened to me. So went vegan in 1983. And at that time, I mean, now we have this dichotomy, plant-based and vegan and all that. In 1983, if you were vegan, you were plant-based. I mean, there were <laughs> potato chips and there was Coca-Cola, but that was about it. Everything else was a fruit, a vegetable, a whole grain, a bean or a nut or a seed. And that's what we ate. And, and it was great. And now there are more choices, which is cool. Um, and more opportunity to be discerning. Amazing. Yeah. Well, there were Pop-Tarts too, weren't there? <laughs> I thought they were vegan too, if I remember right. I don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah. So Jaya, what about for you? What kind of changes did you notice when you started eating this way and how did it turn your life around too? 
Oh, that's interesting. You know, I had actually been vegetarian for about eight <laughs> years before I went vegan. And um, I love it when people show the cover of that book. It's so gorgeous. Yeah, I was, I was just, I was, to all our friends out on Facebook, this is the book. It's beautiful. You're definitely going to want a copy. I mean, if you're listening on the radio, definitely go to juiceguru.com. We've got a link for you to get your copy of the Main Street Vegan Academy cookbook. It's got tons of recipes in here from comfort foods to really healthy choices, all kinds of, every, you got everything covered in here. <laughs> we tried to. <laughs> um, hey, and yeah, that's, actually, that's a great, but that's actually a really great point about, you know, kind of how I experience, you know, lots of people have different experiences when they go vegan about what happens to their health. And, um, and some people have those really dramatic, um, wonderful things that happen, dramatic weight loss or re reversing a, a, a disease. And truthfully, you know, what happened for me is I just quit eating any animal products and I just slept better at night because I wasn't harming animals. I didn't have a health transformation. Um, I, um, but I just like felt like my whole life changed when I realized there was a different way to live and a different way to be in the world. And, um, and so, you know, for me, it was, it became an obsession. You know, before I went vegan, I actually wasn't doing any cooking. My husband did all the cooking. I went vegetarian and my husband did all the cooking. And then when I went vegan, he's like, you know what, honey, you're on your own. So I was a 45 year old woman who hadn't cooked in years and had to figure out how to be a vegan and cook vegan. And that was an utter delight because I realized that plant-based cooking is just, I mean, I don't think there's anything better. You get to be creative and use things that come from the earth and it's amazing. Well, let's dive into it. For those of us that want to start making more vegan plant-based meals in our kitchen, where would you start? We can start with Victoria. What are some tips on getting us going? I mean, this is a great start with a cookbook like this that's so comprehensive, but what kind of uh, quick and easy tips? We're all so busy. How can we get into this? Yeah, I think it depends on how you eat before you start. And the easiest way is to not change that too much right in the beginning. So if you're a busy mom and, and everybody's expecting, you know, burritos for dinner, well, you can make the burritos vegan. And if you want to get a little more into the health stuff, you can even make burritos raw and you can use a collard wrap. You know, it's basically Tuesday night is still burrito night, no matter how we're doing it. So I think to keep your menu planning really simple, and I know JL is kind of an expert on that, I think. Do you still offer the menu plans, well, I didn't, JL? Well, Victoria, I didn't know who that young man is next to you. you're listening on the radio, there, this, 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 this uh, brown dog has made his way into the- Yeah, uh, this, is, this is Forbes. Because he's one of the 500 best dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, Henry's in the top 10. We've got him ah, over here, too. Well, see how we are. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I keep it simple, and, uh -huh. and I keep it kind of easy. You know, once you get into this, particularly if you're a foodie to start with or if you learn that you're a foodie and you didn't know that before, then the idea – of, of cooking a recipe that requires you to go to an Indian market for asafoetida and the hardware store for cooking twine and parchment paper. That's exciting. But for most people who just need to get dinner on the table, they don't want to do that. And so simple, simple. So some of the things I like to do are whole meal salads. In fact, I just did that this evening knowing that, that this interview was coming up. I steamed sweet potatoes and I made a beautiful salad with all kinds of amazing greenery in it, parsley and cilantro and mm. leaf lettuce and uh, micro kale and, and beautiful salad and tossed it up with the sweet potatoes. It took probably four minutes to make and another 10 minutes to wait for the sweet potatoes to steam. So easy, easy kind of stuff. 
And then finally, I would just say, think of the kinds of textures and flavors you absolutely love. For me, it was soft serve, Dairy Queen, totally my downfall when I was doing binge eating and that. And almost every morning now I have a smoothie. It's that wonderful texture. Of course, it's got spinach in it and wild blueberries and all kinds of other wonderful things, but it's still that texture that I personally like a lot. So you don't have to become a whole new person. Just make some different choices and see how amazing life starts to look. Right. They, were, they weren't whipping up those in the strawberry blizzards, right? The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not last time I went. What about you, JL? Any uh, quick and easy tips to grab and go? You know, we're busy throughout the day. How can we keep ourselves nourished? Any other ideas that you can throw on the table here? Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of bulk and batch cooking. Um, And that's why I love pressure cooking. I like to make a lot of um, food on the weekend. I can do it really quickly in my pressure cooker. And, um, and then it makes it really easy. Today, my husband and I both were dashing off different directions, but we both had the same lunch in our bag. And it was leftover black-eyed pea and collard green chili that we'd made, you know, in advance. And so I think that sometimes we can remember that quick can still mean something wholesome and we took a little time to make, but we just carve that time out on the weekend or whatever our day off is or where we have the time and just get the refrigerator stocked up with things that you can mix and match beans and greens and grains and, and all kinds of things. And I mean, tonight I'm going to do a really quick air fried um, pizza with a homemade sourdough pizza dough and um, pepperoni style soy curls that I made in the pressure cooker. And all of that will take me about 20 minutes total. Wow. And what about you, uh, Victoria? What about grab and go? Any snacks throughout the day that you find, you know, if you're in a rush, you need to, you know, keep, keep nourished? Any yeah, idea? You know, I'm not a snacker and a lot of people are and a lot of experts really talk about grazing and how that's a great way to go. I think for me as a compulsive eater in recovery, my recovery was based on three meals a day and living in between. So in this 35 years of being both vegan and in recovery, I just got used to eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, which works out really well because if you travel, you stay in a bed and breakfast, and if you get a job, they have to give you a lunch hour. (laughs) And when you you want your love interest to take you out, you expect it's going to be for dinner. So I'm not a big snacker, but I will say whenever the grab and go comes to mind, it's got to be fruit. I mean, our hands are designed to pick fruit. And I think so many people are afraid of fruit. They have this idea, oh my gosh, it's full of sugar. Well, I heard this wonderful analogy of that that lately. It's like water. There is your wonderful water, like I get from a protected spring in Arkansas, Mountain Valley water, it comes to me in glass bottles. And then there's water that comes out of the tap, which I understand in New York City as tap water goes is pretty good. There's the water in the puddles outside, there's ocean water, and there's water at the sewage plant. You know, it's all water, but you don't want to drink all of it. And that's the way it is with sugar. So the sugar in fruit is fabulous and wonderful. And this time of year, the citrus is is out there being wonderful. The tangerines are so good this year. Persimmons, when you can get them, the most popular fruit in the world And most people don't know that you need to wait until they look like they're rotting and usually on sale at the supermarket. And then they're just extraordinary and wonderful to have half an hour before a meal or just uh, in the afternoon when you get the three o'clock droop. 
Well, great tips. And, you know, but what about the idea of how expensive it is? A friend of mine was just texting me. She's like, I just got out of Whole Foods. I spent $60 and I'm, I don't have nothing to show for it. My husband's going to kill me. <laughs> what about the idea that, that, you know, it can be really expensive when we're buying Beyond Meat and Day and some of the uh, meat replacements, things like that? Any tips to keep it on a budget? And we can start with JL for that. Okay. Well, you know, first off, I'm a, I'm a big fan of coupons. And so Beyond Meat, if you're going to buy the Beyond Meat, you can almost get a dollar, almost always get a dollar off coupon from them. Um, and you know, what I think is, um, I work with a lot of clients uh, who are trying to redo their kitchen and change their diet, and they may not be vegan yet. And so they actually are buying a lot of um, a, a mixture of things. And what I try to get them to think about is shopping the perimeter of the store, looking for produce, filling up their their grocery cart with the rainbow um, so that they have all different kinds of colors of produce. And then yeah, go find something that reminds you of pre-vegan days. You know, get that Beyond Burger or get a tofurkey sausage. Um, but don't make that the primary thing that's in your, your basket. And when you start to look in that way, it's going to really change up um, what you're spending. And Whole Foods, you know, these days, now that Amazon has purchased them, you know, they actually have some pretty good sales. And I think sometimes we don't think of the produce section and looking for sales. And I actually, that's how I get a variety in my diet is now I go into Whole Foods and I'm like, I'm going to walk around the entire produce section first because I know they're going to have four or five or eight things on sale. And I might buy a vegetable that I haven't had for a while. And that's going to give me some variety in how I'm eating. And I'm not going to get bored with the kinds of foods that I'm creating. So I think looking for those kinds of sales and then also recognizing that Whole Foods isn't the only place um, to go grocery shopping. I live in Colorado and our Kroger is King Supers and I can find almost anything that I want there. They don't have nutritional yeast. The day they have nutritional yeast, I may never go anywhere else again. <laughs> Good to <laughs> smart shopping over there. Danielle. What about you, Victoria, anything to add to that on, well, on a budget friendly uh, shopping? You know, there's so much. I mean, we talk about grains and beans being the cheapest foods in the supermarket and the beans swell up. So you get more than you pay for, but I would like to, put in a, a vote for spending more on food. Now, certainly this is not if you can't afford it, obviously, I don't think anybody should go in, into debt to eat, but it's an investment. It's an investment in your future. I would far rather give that money to the farmer's market or the natural food store than to the doctor. And to really invest in the best food you can afford, and obviously that's going to be different depending on what you can afford, but the way we've done it lately, my husband um, went vegan several years ago, which was fabulous. <laughs> it's really good for a marriage. Um, but this past year, he got really into the health part, and he's almost mm -hmm. a raw fooder. And he lost a whole lot of weight and he, he looks amazing. I mean, I always tell people, why is it that whenever we go out to eat, people act nervous? And then I realized it was because they thought I had a guy on the side. I mean, they, he looked so different and so much younger that people were, they just didn't know quite what to do with him. And so I see that we're also spending a lot more money on food than we used to because things like grains and beans last for a really long time. You just keep fixing them. But fresh fruits and raw vegetables, you know, you're their hero, you eat them, and then you got to go buy some more. And we've just shifted. We don't go out as much as we used to, to eat. Um, there are just some things we don't do, and we put more of that money into the food. And frankly, to have a husband that people think is, you know, somebody you're having an affair with, that's really worth a little money. 
That's great. I didn't realize he went vegan because I think one of our last, one of our, we've, I've interviewed you so many times. He wasn't vegan. One of the interviews. I know yeah, that. he was vegetarian for the first several years of our marriage. And then he went vegan, but mm. you know, vegan and ate whatever was there. Um, but yeah, he, he got into the raw food, lots of exercise, um, changed some of his work schedule so that he wasn't as stressed and it's funny to me because I've been in this work for so long and theoretically, I know, yes, stress management, exercise, good diet, it's going to change your life. But to actually live with it and watch it happen uh, in another person, it's pretty magical. So, I mean, we talk about that with the juicing, getting the raw food, the raw juices into your body, how great it is. But you're saying also, you know, raw food is good. The more raw we could eat, the better. Well, I think everybody's different and everybody approaches food in a different way. In my experience and observation, I think that getting a lot of that really fresh food is magical in a very special way. I always think of, of the old story that if you take the top of a carrot and you plant it, you get carrots. And if you take a cooked carrot and you plant it, you get compost. And so there's just something about this life force energy that interestingly enough, I first learned about in those yoga books that I read when I was 17. So yeah, we do the juice thing. We're big on celery juice these days. <laughs> now, some of our friends ask like how, if you're cooking for yourself and you would know because your husband wasn't always vegan, how it is if you know, other people in the family are eating other foods and you're trying to cook for yourself. Any tips for cooking for ourselves who's vegan but the entire family isn't any uh, and i don't know about you jl if you have experience with that too she does i do yeah my, so let's my start husband. with jl for that <laughs> Let, let's start with jl and then follow up with victoria on that uh when i went vegetarian 16 years ago and my husband joined me for about three weeks of that and he was clearly miserable and that's when i wanted to make sure he understood that my life choices don't have to be his so he did not stick with vegetarian and then um when i went be Vegan. did not go vegan right away, but he is vegan now for three years. But when I went vegan, you know, what I suggest to people who are living in what I call multivore homes, where, you know, a couple of people in the home are eating differently, is to think about how you negotiate any other part of your relationship. So if there's something that my husband and I have disagreed on, how do we negotiate that? And, um, or if we're about to embark in two different ways on a philosophical tangent. And so when I went vegan, I just said, you know, here's the thing. I don't expect you to go vegan. Um, I am. And now here's what I don't feel like I can do. I don't feel like I can purchase um, animal products any longer and I don't want to cook them any longer. And so we came up with a compromise that worked really well for years until he went vegan. Not every relationship is like that. So I'm not saying do what we did, but do what you do in your relationship. Try to figure that out. So I have a lot of clients who um, the, the, um, the parents might be plant-based and their children aren't yet. And their approach is to start with a robust, delicious, big plant-based meal. And then if there needs to be some kind of addition, that's what they'll try to do with that. So, you know, I'm trying to answer the question because I, I see the question from Kat and it's a great question. Um, and if, if you feel comfortable in preparing a couple different kinds of styles, then that might be a way to do it. And then if there is a way to get everybody involved in it so that you can cook from your ethical sort of compass and, um, and where you're 
directed and you can get everybody else involved, there could be a way where people get excited. One of the things I recommend with my clients is to make a list of all of the foods they loved that weren't vegan and together as a family team, get creative and become a sleuth and figure out what all of those ingredients are that are plant-based and have fun recreating some of the foods that they've loved for years in a way that they could all eat the same thing and have a food memory, but have it in a, a compassionate way. How about you, Victoria? Anything to add to that? I like the idea of just having what you have and adding to it what the non-vegans want. So I first had this experience when I was taking care of my grandmother in her later years. And there were just a few neat things that she really wanted. And it was hard for me because I'm an ethical vegan. First and foremost, this whole thing started for me about animals and killing and reverence for life. So it was very difficult, but I also know it was really meaningful to her. So I would make the salad, the steamed vegetables, the whatever, and maybe the kind of hearty part of the meal for uh, myself would have been a, a big um, baked potato with some black beans on it. And then she would want one of these frozen chicken pot pies. <laughs> And so that would go on top of the salad for her. And then later when I married William and he did go vegetarian two weeks after we met, which was just so sweet. He called me up after we'd gone out and we went to a sports bar, which was bad enough because I'm just not that kind of girl. Uh, and he ordered this big steak. He'd been eating vegetarian, you know, to be polite, but he ordered the steak, I think to see if I was going to go PETA on him. <laughs> Who knew? Um, and the next day I thought, you know, mm, not so working, I don't think. And he called and he said, I've been thinking. And I'm thinking, yeah, me too, buddy. He said, I've been thinking I'm not going to eat meat anymore. So that was wonderful early on. Um, but we had to do the blended family thing where he was vegetarian. His children were omnivores. My daughter and I were vegan. And so it's a, it's a thing. It's a, it's a big deal to be open to where other people are, particularly if you have the ethical part going on. If it's just for health, you know, you can think, all right, well, I'm going to live 20 years longer than you. That's too bad. But with the ethical, it's difficult. But what else can you do? I mean, if putting somebody down and threatening them and showing them awful factory farm pictures every day helped, well, we should do that, but it doesn't. It just turns people off and sends them away. And then there are all these, you know, pseudo-vegan meats. Like we said, the Beyond Meat, all those. They can actually replicate a lot of those dishes now, right? Oh, yeah. There's so little that you can't make vegan. Is there anything left, JL? I mean, we can now do meringues. Ever <laughs> since people figured out that the water in the chickpea can can be made into this aquafaba stuff so that you could actually have fluffy peaked meringue. I heard about that. There may not be anything left. Yeah, I think it's pretty much anything that someone else can eat that's not vegan, we can eat vegan. Amazing. Well, the new book is the Main Street Vegan Academy Cookbook. We're going to take a few questions from the Juice Guru Rewind, so go ahead and type them in, or you can join us on video. It's going to be great. We'll be closing out the portion on iHeartRadio in just a minute here. So before we do that, uh, Victoria and Jay, I just want to give you both a last chance to uh, share more about your mission and how we can inspire more people to eat more vegan. So starting with JL, can you, any last words to our listening audience on iHeartRadio on how we can be inspired to really take the step and, and make ourselves healthy with vegan food? 
You know, my recommendation is to remember that we live in the real world and my world might be different than your world and that um, we, we hear a lot and we think that we try to be perfect and we try to do everything the way one person told them to do it. And I think what's really important is to find a way that works for you and works for your family. Find a way that makes you feel good, that you're cooking foods that, that are aligned with where you are ethically, what your health goals are, and to not beat yourself up. And, um, and that for some people, they're going to eat all 100% whole foods, and other people might do a mixture of whole foods and eating some food memories, some things that they can find in the frozen food section. There's no wrong way to be vegan if you're not eating animals. If you're not eating anything that came from animals, you're doing great, and the animals are so grateful to you for just trying. And your website is jlgoesvegan.com. Is that the best place to find that's right. you? Yeah, and that's who I am on social media everywhere, JL Goes Vegan. JL Goes Vegan. We'll have links to that, jiskuradio.com. And Victoria Moran, hey. uh, anything to s- share, uh, final words of wisdom, tips, or anything we didn't touch on that you wanted to get out to the audience? Yeah, you can do this your way. And also do it a day at a time. That's how the alcoholics sober up in AA. It's not like, oh my gosh, I'm going to white knuckle it and I'm going to do this for the next 17 years. No, you do it today. And then you don't have to worry about your vacation next year or your sister's wedding. You're just doing this today. And the more you do it, the more natural it becomes until all of a sudden you realize, whoa, you mean I used to eat that other stuff? So, uh, yeah, it's a wonderful adventure. And and it's such a heart adventure. We know that, that eating this way and making great choices from the plant kingdom scientifically has been shown that it can reverse and certainly prevent heart disease but there's another part of the heart too that's this metaphorical heart that really cares and this is the only way of eating and living that i know of that heals the heart on both levels and both ways and i am online at main street vegan mainstreetvegan.net is the website and main street vegan on instagram and twitter and facebook and anybody who is vegan and interested uh, might want to check out Main Street Vegan Academy and uh, change your life. Go out there and be a vegan biz whiz. <laughs> <laughs> Victoria Moran and JL Fields. The book again, the Main Street Vegan Academy cookbook. Our friends over at Ben Bella uh, love their vegan books. Thank you both for being here. What an honor. Thank you both. Thank you. I'm Steve Prusak, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio. Find out more about us at juiceguru.com. Until next time, get your juice on.